This week's sponsor is absolutely perfect for true crime fans, especially those of us that love a twisty, turny murder mystery. June's Journey is a game set in the Roaring Twenties. June's sister Claire and her husband Harry were found dead, and June is certain that they've been murdered. Now she must travel to New York, where her sister's estate was, to look after her niece and solve the mystery of Claire's death. You go along the journey with June, searching for hidden objects in different locations from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris, uncovering hidden clues to solve the mystery as you go. I'm already on chapter six and the mystery has gotten so good. I cannot wait to uncover more clues. I'm also loving how you get to customize your very own luxurious estate island. That's right. Let your imagination run wild as you decorate your island with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. My pool is literally insane. It has a waterfall. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free on iOS and Android. Hey, before you start your (laughs) two-parter, I have my two-parter. Oh, okay. Do you remember last time I told you about my post office experience? Yes. Oh, you have to tell the people this. Oh, you have to tell the people this story. Okay. Okay. First of all, we need to let the people know that MoGab is obsessed with the post office. Okay. <laughs> I think Truly. she would work there if she could. Yeah. She loves the post office almost as much, I would say, as Waffle House. Oh, yeah. It's like definitely part of my brand. <laughs> like, I think I kept them in business during the pandemic. I bought all those cards that are like, I miss your face and I support the USPS, you know? <laughs> And I have asked about their benefits for working there. Welcome to another episode of True Crime Creepers, where we talk about all the real life creeps from serial killers to con artists. I'm Kristen, the true crime fanatic who loves to tell these stories. And I'm MoGap, the true crime newbie who hasn't heard any of them. MoGap least likely to ever be convicted of mail fraud. (laughs) Except. (laughs) Oh, oh yeah. (laughs) What recently happened? (laughs) Okay. So I love doing our Patreon mail. Like I really Mm -hmm. enjoy it. And I wanted to get to you all with the wax seal intact. I have gone to outstanding measures to ensure that it comes to you in one piece. Everything but but just putting it in an outer envelope. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, bitch. (laughs) Listen, it, because then I'd have to be double stuffing. I mean, I'll get outer envelopes, but people might, we might, our tears might be increasing. You like I'm doing wedding invites over here. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll do outer envelopes, but so I go and I take it and I've now started, I stamp the non-machinable. I buy non-machinable stamps. I take them in. I hand them to the person. Well, now I've got a regular guy. I will protect the innocent and not release his name. But sometimes we're vibing and sometimes we're not at the post office. <laughs> and I took in a box of cards recently and I bring them up and I'm like, hey, these are all ready to go. They're non-machinable. So I think that's it. He's going to put them in the little box. Well, because we've done this song and dance now several times. He pulls out this big round stamp. I've never seen it before. And he's like stamping with this huge stamp on the cards. And I said, oh. What is that? I need one of those. And he was like, oh, this is a whatever he called it. I don't know. And I said, oh, I need to get me one of those. And he was like, nope, can't get one of these. And I'm like, oh, I, like, I'll just like give me one. He's like, 
no, you cannot. This is only USPS staff are allowed to use these. And I said, well, <laughs> listen, you can find just about anything on Amazon. Just trying to make small talk. You right. Know. Like, he looks uh, me obviously joking. <laughs> yes. He looks me dead in the eye and says, well, if you do and it gets traced back to you, it's punishable up to two years in federal prison. <laughs> and I thought... So I just look at him. Samantha Mogab voted most likely to be convicted of mail fraud. I know. I look at him and I go, ooh, it's not that serious. Meaning like, I don't need it that badly. Right, 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 right. He says, yes, ma'am, it is. (laughs) I am now sweating in the post office. Because then he takes the card and he flips it over and he sees that it's a skull. So now I'm like. Obviously, he thinks I'm mailing anthrax and am <laughs> out here breaking all of laws. And you know, I'm like the most like laced up person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, oh, my gosh. So then the best part, I'm get, you know, I'm getting ready to leave. And I was like, well, thank you so much. You know, I'm so grateful that he has like done this now because I'm freaking out. And right. so I just say, oh, man, thank you. You're just out here doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and he just says, nope. <laughs> The Lord's work is much more important than this. And I just <laughs> grab all my shit and I book it out of there. Oh, this poor guy. Oh, I love him. I think I love him. I do. I do. So then I saw him again today, actually. I oh, thinking. I haven't heard the update. No, yeah. So I saw him today. He obviously is pretending like we don't. You, know, you don't know each other? Me. Oh. Yeah. So today I go to ship something and then I just asked again. I should have known better. They still don't have any non-machinable stamps, the butterfly stamps. So I said, Oh, do mm-hmm. you have any non-machinable stamps? And he said, no. And then I was like, okay, I guess I'll just go somewhere else and get them. And he was like, meaning like another post office. And he mm-hmm. goes, like the internet? <laughs> I said, yes, I will try that. <laughs> just and he's like, you wouldn't expect it. Like, he's like a silver fox kind of. like. Oh, oh, okay. I was not picturing Anderson Cooper, but I am now. Thank you. Yeah. It's like a Dennis Quaid at my local post office. It's just like. Okay, that is a very different service. That is a very different picture than I had in my in my little brain. Yeah, well he knows he knows who he is. Now I know what it feels like to be you, not knowing what people look like and then having that picture in your mind just totally totally shifted. Um do you know what else uh can help you shift into healthy living? (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're getting so good at this. I'm gonna set you up differently next time. I'm I'm obviously talking about our sponsor, Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens, it's a supplement that you can add to your water. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. Hey, you know what's so great about superfoods? They're super. They're literally called superfoods. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. Athletic Greens contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery. Oh my God, I absolutely need that. Yes, and mental clarity and alertness. I absolutely need that. This was made for us. It uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testings. So go on, get you some. 
Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and is now the perfect time to try it out because Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Go to athleticgreens.com slash emerging. That's athleticgreens.com slash E-M-E-R-G-I-N-G. Ta-da. That was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of, I booked a hotel room today in North Dakota, and that that was a joyful customer service. Are you going to go see Mount Rushmore? I think that's in South Dakota. Oh. Why are you going to North Dakota? What's there? What's in South Dakota, honestly? Mount Rushmore. You just said that. I know, but I was just thinking, like, why would they put that there? Because there's a mountain for it. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Everyone, give you some athletic greens. (laughs) And alert. I'm going to a wedding there. And I booked my hotel. And I loved... I just wanted to keep talking to the person so they would keep saying thanks in their accent. Oh, North Dakota. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you don't get blamed for that one, too. North Dakota, we love you. Even though you don't have Mount Rushmore, according to MoGab. I think it might be in North Dakota. Hold on. Let me close the Olive Garden menu that I have pulled up to now search for Mount Rushmore. Because the last thing I looked at was Olive Garden menu. <laughs> Yeah, South now Dakota. you want to try that. So don't even play. I do, honestly. <laughs> Feel free to send uh, your Olive Garden recommendations. You just got to go for the the endless salad and breadsticks. What do you mean by endless salad? They just keep bringing it I'm... to you. They just keep bringing it to you. They just keep bringing what? it to you. You you get a <laughs> refill. You finish it, they bring it more. You do we it? need to go to Olive Garden together? I would love to. I love their salad and breadsticks. What? We're never not going to our Thai place. uh no do you know what else is as wonderful as olive garden a kentucky accent and mount rushmore no i love all those things our patreon (laughs) yes that is that is yes if you join our patreon first of all Thank you. And second of all, you get lots of perks for at the $5 level, you get a full length bonus episode every single month. And you get a shout out on the podcast. And if you jump up to the $7 level, you get access to all of that plus our mini creeps, which are shorter episodes on a variety of different topics. Whatever I'm feeling. Sometimes we play some games. Sometimes we do an Am I the Asshole. Sometimes we cover true crimes like the... the crimes that happen at the Waffle House or the <laughs> McDonald's hot coffee or sometimes we just get carried away. Also, sometimes okay? we just get carried away. Sometimes MoGab just comes wanting to talk and we just I do chat, chat, chat. So those are up at the $7 level. And then at the $10 level, you can get all of that plus 20% off of merch. So go to patreon.com slash true crime creepers if you're interested in any of that. This episode is sponsored by Pros. Supporting our sponsors really helps support the show. A couple of years ago, I decided it was probably time I figure out some kind of skincare routine, 
But the problem was, and has always been, too many options. I don't know exactly what I need or what's best for me and my skin. So thus far, my solution has been to just buy a skincare line off the shelf and hope it helps. But that's all about to change when my custom skincare from Pros comes in. Each and every bottle of Pro's custom hair and skincare is made to order and personalized with a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs. In fact, in a third-party, double-blind, dermatologist-supervised, controlled clinical study, aka the gold standard in research studies, Pro's proved that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering our listeners an exclusive trial offer so that you can see the difference custom care can make. That's 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash creepers. That's P-R-O-S E dot com slash creepers for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash creepers. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around stressors, big and small. For me, this comes in the form of work, too many deadlines, relationships with people, irrational fears of the future. When we keep them bottled up, it can really start to affect us negatively, mentally and physically. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. My therapist has really been helping me work on coping skills for how to handle my stress, how to handle day-to-day tasks that I struggle with, as well as working on communicating and improving personal relationships and just talking through problems with somebody who understands. It's something I wish I'd started ages ago. But finding a therapist is so overwhelming. Are they taking new patients? Are they taking insurance? And once you find one that says yes to both of those, are they a good fit? If not, you have to start the process all over again. If they are a good fit, you've got to figure out some way to fit appointments into your busy schedule. But BetterHelp takes away all of those barriers, and I'm so thankful. I love my therapist. I really feel like they took my questionnaire that I filled out when I signed up and really used it to match me to the perfect person. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Creepers today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Creepers. And now, Mogab, that brings us to part two of the murder of Larry McNabney. Part one, no one got murdered. So part two is honestly. (laughs) Part one, we left off with... Elisa McNamney, Larry's wife, was running Larry's law office while he was nowhere to be seen. She had an assistant, Sarah. Her and Sarah were acting kind of suspicious. And they'd hired another secretary named Ginger, who was getting really weirded out that Larry had not been seen since she'd been working there. Like she never met him. She'd never met him. She was hired before, like she was hired around September 11th. He hadn't been seen since then, and it is now November 30th. And she was, like, noticing other suspicious stuff, too. She was noticing Sarah and Elisa forging Larry's signature, spending his money. They were telling people that Larry was at a yoga retreat or had joined a cult or was in rehab. And 
Ginger knew that none of that was true. She finally realized that was all lies. Something really bad was going on here, and she knew what she needed to do. On November 30th, 2001, Ginger went to the police station. She walked in. She was really nervous. She said at the window that they handed her a piece of paper. On the piece of paper, she wrote, my boss is missing. I'm pretty sure he's dead. And I think his wife and the secretary had something to do with it. And that's where we left off part one. It didn't take long for the police to come and get her and take her upstairs for an interview. The room was full and the microphones were out and they interviewed her for hours. Ginger told them everything. The money being moved, that weird phone call from the medical company looking for the wheelchair. Remember, there was that angry phone call. Uh All the money they were spending, the countless reasons for Larry's absences that Sarah and Elisa kept giving. She told them that Elisa and Sarah were spending the money coming in from the insurance companies. Ginger was directed to tell the clients that their cases were still ongoing. But in reality, the insurance companies had paid out and Sarah and Elisa were just spending it. What was the plan? Like, were they going to just like never pay those people? It doesn't sound like they had a plan because it's not like they were running some Ponzi scheme where they had money coming in and they were, you know. Right. I don't think Elisa had a very long-term plan with this. Detectives wanted to investigate this without tipping off Elisa and Sarah. So they asked Ginger to go back to the office like nothing ever happened. And they started their investigation by calling Larry's clients using the names and contact information that Ginger had provided. All of Larry's clients said the same thing. No one had seen Larry for months. The last time anyone had seen Larry was at the horse show in City of Industry in Southern California, and it had been September 11th. So everyone there was so focused on the news that everything was chaotic and confusing, that nobody remembered where Larry went, how he left the hotel. Nobody could remember the details of that weekend. And they checked out that morning. But there was still no proof that Elisa and Sarah were involved in his disappearance. So police called Elisa to try and get her story. And she was able to answer all of their questions really well, but they were still really suspicious of her story. And at this time, Elisa starts realizing that the walls are closing in on her. They're getting close. Police are investigating now. So on January 11th, 2002, Elisa called Ginger Miller really early in the morning and asked if she could come into work a little early because she was moving to Arizona. When Ginger got there, Elisa was packing up the office and Sarah wasn't there. Elisa told Ginger to help. So she starts packing. She's knowing the whole time that she's helping Elisa pack so she can skip town. They made three. But Elisa doesn't know that Ginger. Right. Went to the Elisa does not know that Ginger went to the police. They made three trips out to Elisa's horse trailer. Luckily, they took two separate cars each time, both of them just filled with boxes. So on the trips out there, it was the only time that Ginger had a moment alone. And so she called the detectives to tell them like, hey, Elisa is definitely heading out of town. If you're going to get her, Uh you're going to get her now. You got to go now. (laughs) You got to come now. When they got to the horse trailer, Ginger saw that there weren't actually any horses anywhere. It was just full of Elisa's stuff, like she was using the horse trailer as a moving trailer. So Ginger thought for sure the police were going to get her. Like, she just called them. She told them, we're here. Come get her. Otherwise, she's leaving. But Elisa was smarter than them. 
The police came in through the front of the area where she was keeping the horse trailer in. But as soon as she saw the police, she unhooked the trailer from her Jaguar and took off out the back and disappeared. I mean, that is so suspicious looking. (laughs) Elisa picked up her daughter Haley and told her they were headed to a horse show in Arizona. And Haley was really excited because she hadn't been invited to anything like that in years. And she's like, finally, my mom wants to, like, hang out with me again. Poor Haley. I know. I know. Meanwhile, Sarah Dutra went to the airport in Sacramento after Elisa told her there would be a ticket there for her to Arizona, paid for and reserved for her. And when she got to the counter, they couldn't find any such reservation. So Sarah, thinking there's been a mistake, starts trying to call Elisa. But the number isn't working anymore. And that's when she realizes that she has been abandoned. Obviously, the police want to talk to Sarah. So they bring her in to question her. And she comes in with her little Maltese dog, Munchie, on her lap the whole time. She tells him that she oh, has I didn't know you could bring your dog. <laughs> I didn't, I, to your interrogation? I didn't know either. She tells him that she hasn't heard from Elisa. And as far as she knew, Larry left Elisa. And she didn't know if Larry was coming back. During this interview, Sarah tried to distance herself from Elisa and make it seem like it was just a very typical boss-employee relationship. She just kept saying that she didn't know where Elisa was, and she couldn't tell them even where to start looking for her, which honestly is probably true. (laughs) She had no idea where Elisa was. Yeah, I mean, she left her. Right. So police put out a be-on-the-lookout alert, a.k.a. a bolo, for the Red Jaguar, And they turned their attention to that giant horse trailer full of stuff. There was so much junk stacked inside it, it took them hours to go through it. But when they did, they found a stack of documents that told them that Elisa was not who she said she was. (gasps) Oh, what? Yeah. Like she's like got a different identity? Yes. See, detectives had tried to pull Elisa's background information up, but when they searched her name, Elisa McNabney, nothing came up. Laren Sims, however, had a rap sheet 114 pages long, and that was Elisa's real name. Yes. 114 pages? Yes. Even if that was like one offense per page, which I don't know what, how many pages of, I don't even know what that means. Right. Wait, what's her real name? Okay, I'm glad you asked for clarification. Laren, I think. It's, I love I've, that. I've heard it Lauren, I've heard it Lauren, and I've heard it Laren. It's L-A-R-E-N. So I'm going with Laren. Lauren. I don't ah, think I it's... I love Laren. Yeah. Love Laren, hate her. Right, the, the name. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do, I like it too. Pouring through the documents in the horse trailer, detectives discovered that Elisa McNabney was only the latest of at least 38 aliases Laren has used Mm. over the last 10 to 15 years or so. So who is Laren Sims? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you right now. (laughs) Thank you for asking. (laughs) Thank you for asking. I'm going to tell you that right now. Laren Sims was from Brooksville, Florida. It's a small town where everyone knows everyone. Laren was super intelligent. She was an honor student, even though she really didn't try very hard. She met her boyfriend in high school, and she got pregnant with Haley, which caused her to drop out of school. 
According to people that knew them, Laren came from a good family, but for some reason she wanted to remove herself from them. So I kind of get the feeling that there's like something there that has just never come out. Mm-hmm. People that knew her best said they felt that she couldn't wait to get out of there. So Laren and the boyfriend run away together and got married. But before Haley was even born, they were divorced. Hmm. After the split and after Haley's birth, Laren had another child, a son, with another man that was much older than her. And Laren kept herself in a constant state of trouble. It was always really petty stuff, like she'd shoplift small, inexpensive things like shampoo, but she was just always in trouble. She spent some time in jail for credit card fraud after she was caught using her boss's credit card. Oh my gosh. Haley said she often felt like their mother-daughter roles were reversed. It was her keeping the checks from bouncing and keeping up with the family accounts. Laren was all about the fun, and when things stopped being fun, she'd move on. She'd wake Haley up in the middle of the night because rent wasn't being paid or she was being evicted. Haley said they moved probably every six months to a year. Oh, this is, like, so sad. I know. Haley. Haley, girl. Until one Christmas, Laren was dating this guy who was going through a divorce, and she bought his kids presents and had them delivered in the hopes that it would help, like, facilitate a reunion between her boyfriend and the kids. And when the wife said no, he couldn't see them, Laren decided to sneak into the house and take back all the presents. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) But she was caught, and she was charged with trespassing and put on felony probation. Laren was absolutely terrified of going back to jail. So after this, Laren decided it was time to skip town and get a clean break. She told eight-year-old Haley that she had to go away and she wasn't coming back. She told her that she could come with her or she could stay with her grandparents. And Haley decided to come with her. Laren's son had cerebral palsy, and so he stayed behind with his dad. So Laren made her way to Texas because it's centered around horses and she'd always loved horses, but she was caught shoplifting and taken into custody. And as soon as she bonded out, she took Haley and went to Vegas. Oh. And this is when Laren stole the identity of a woman that she'd met in jail in Florida, Elizabeth Barash, which she shortened to Elisa. In Vegas, she rented an apartment, but she didn't have enough money for furniture, so she and Haley slept on a pallet on the floor. But it wasn't long before Laren found another boyfriend, a man named Ken Ruddlesberger. Ken had an up-and-coming business, and Elisa saw him as her next mark. Pretty soon, they were living together, and he absolutely adored Elisa and Haley. Aww. But soon there were charges on his credit card that he didn't recognize. And he didn't adore that. He did not adore that. But apparently this isn't the red flag that it should be. And Ken married her anyway, even after she'd stolen his credit cards. In a drive-thru in Vegas in his pickup truck with Haley sitting in the middle between them. Wait, what? They got married in a drive-thru in Vegas. Oh, they got married in a drive-thru. In his pickup truck with Haley sitting right between them. I mean, sounds real romantic to me. I know. I think it sounds cute. Haley said this was the first time that she felt safe in a very long time. Like, this was the secure, stable home that she really needed. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't last long. Because soon, Elisa Ruddlesberger got a job 
in Larry McNabney's law office. Uh-uh. Within a matter of months, she'd be divorced from Ken and living with Larry, moving Haley from her house in Reno with Ken to her new place in Vegas with Larry. Oh, she was already under the different name. I was like, weird that she's working in a law office, but she's been to jail. (laughs) (laughs) To get the job with Larry, she had told so many lies. She told him she had an MBA when she didn't even have a high school diploma. And I don't know how she's getting these jobs without a driver's license or a real social security number. Oh, yeah. I mean, who's filling out that paperwork, you know? Right. How's she getting paid? (laughs) I do not understand this. But Laren was always described as incredibly smart, and she could manipulate everyone around her. She really impressed the other attorneys around the law firm with some of her arguments. Like, she seemed to everyone to be the real deal. You know what I always wonder? Because I know some master manipulators in my life. I always wonder if they know that they're manipulating. Like, like, do they recognize Mm. it as that? Or is it just like how they live their life and they don't realize what they're doing? You know? That's a really – I'm like, do you hear yourself? Like, do you believe what you are saying? You know? Or is it like really – I think it probably varies. I think there are probably some people that like know exactly – who to target, and how to get what they want from that person, and they do it on purpose. And then I think other people, it's just like who they are all of the time. Like, they're just like this, and Which one do you think Anna Delvey was? Mm. Hmm. I think Anna Delvey. I think there wasn't a single step Anna Delvey ever took that wasn't calculated. Yeah, absolutely. Very calculated. Now I would like for her to have her reality show, please. (laughs) (laughs) And she was smart. I mean, she's really smart, Laren. Like, she's able to come across as somebody with, like, legal experience and an MBA. And she's tricking attorneys. Like, she's tricking people that have gone to law school and graduated college. And she doesn't even have a high school diploma. So, like, I think she knows exactly what she's doing. Mm-hmm. So now it's January 2002. Larry's been reported missing by Ginger Miller, and investigators are on Laren's heels, but she has managed to evade everyone. Investigators are realizing that she has been on the run for nine years, ever since she skipped town on that felony probation, and that she stole mm-hmm. over half a million dollars from Larry over the course of their marriage. God. And now is nowhere to be found. And then February 5th, 2002 came. Three farm workers were crossing a vineyard in the Sacramento region when their dog got very excited about something. Mm. When they went to look at what the dog found, they realized... It's never good, let me just tell you. They never excited about anything that smells good. It's usually poo, (laughs) in my experience. (laughs) Or a dead animal. Yeah, this was neither of those things. It was a human leg bone sticking out of the ground they reported it to the police and pretty quickly investigators criminalists pathologists and forensic anthropologists were swarming this site they were trying to uncover the body and trying to identify it investigators had a few ideas of who it might be they had like a serial killer in the area at the time and thought maybe it was a victim from that And then they, but they also thought maybe this is Larry McNabney. They knew he was missing. They'd been looking for him. 
But the forensic anthropologist said there's no way this body has been buried here since September, which at this point would have been five months. They said at most it's been here for a couple of weeks, like it was in way too good of condition. But the fingerprints came back as Larry McNabney. It was definitely him. So he was like held captive somewhere? Well, they said, you know, if this is Larry McNabney and he's been dead since September, then his body was preserved somehow. It wasn't frozen. There was no evidence of tissue damage from the freezing process. So they said, what about a refrigerator? No, I think he was alive. (laughs) He wasn't. He was not alive. No, I mean like before. No, he wasn't kept alive. He was kept in a refrigerator. Yo, man, what is it with people on the fridges and the freezers up in here? I know. There were also no obvious signs of death on the body, like no obvious signs of how he died. There was no blunt force injury, no lacerations, nothing. So they thought perhaps he was poisoned. Forensic pathologist Dr. Terry Haddix took samples from everywhere and everything, tissue, blood, like everything. She was determined to find the explanation for Larry's death. In the meantime, police believed that Sarah had more information than she'd told them the first time they'd talked. So they brought her back for more questions. And she kept denying that she knew anything. And she said she felt like she'd had the wool pulled over her eyes. <laughs> your eye roll. Your eye I know. roll. I well, wish the people could see your your eye roll there. <laughs> Went all the way back. I saw the back of my skull. Uh, just like staring at the ceiling like. <sighs> when they told her that Larry was dead, she didn't have much of a reaction. And so they called her on that. They're like, you don't seem very surprised that he's dead. And she told them that she was sick to think that Larry McNabney was dead. And she had no idea who would do something like that. She said the only person. No idea. She said the only person she could think of was Elisa. And maybe she didn't know Mm. Elisa as well as she thought she did. Oh, Sarah. Oh, Sarah. But police were driving the bus. (laughs) Right. But police were fairly certain that Sarah was involved somehow. But they had nothing to hold her on. So they had to let her go. Meanwhile, the hunt for Laren Sims was on. The FBI asked for the public's help in trying to find her, and they had no clue where to even start. She had- I do. Mexico and Pizza Hut. <laughs> Cabo. Cancun. I think you mean a domino. Olive Garden. <laughs> she had ties to Denver, Vegas, and Florida. It was like a needle in a haystack. Actually, she was at a horse show in Arizona with Haley when she realized that Larry's body had been uncovered. She told Haley. Was it like on the news? I think so. Yeah. Uh huh. So she told Haley, they found us. It's time to go. So now Haley knows? No. She just knows that they got to go. They found him. They found him. They're on the run. She doesn't know. Why? Yet. Laren was also driving the worst possible car to be on the run-in, a cherry red Jaguar convertible. Oh, yeah, girl. <laughs> he was, Go like, on. inconspicuous. Get you a white Camry. In. A white Camry. You should have gone for the Camry, like Cheryl would have. <laughs> oh. 
But they drove and drove and drove for 22 hours until Laren dozed off at the wheel and she ended up getting pulled over for swerving. Ooh. Yeah. But Laren was able to work her charm and the officer let them go. Hello? Hello. What about the bolo? Well, what about the bolo? Well, they're in Arizona. I don't, well, but it's an FBI bolo. I don't know. I mean, how many bolos do you think they got out at the same time? I've always wondered. In Arizona, like, all the bolo ties. <laughs> I've always wondered, how do they keep them all straight? Like, we got to be looking out for 47,000 different vehicles all at once. It's like, it's like, have you ever worked at a restaurant? No, uh-uh. Uh, I also don't like, under. I also do not understand how servers keep it straight either, though. Even if you write, I was it down. just going to say it's like in the back, and they're like, "Okay, today's specials, and you've got to like learn them before you walk out." Yeah, they're like, "Okay, today's top suspects," you know, or like we'll just having the who, chicken soup. Which, which person at the table ordered the diet coke, and which got the Dr Pepper, and which got the sweet tea? Like, well, I'm, that's because you take. Well, that's easy. You do it in order, and then you pass the drinks out in order. So, like, you start at the left. And then you write it down in that order, and then you put the drinks on your tray in that order. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yes, there's numbers I know what you mean, but I table. just... Look. Well, the Waffle House is a true art, because if the people don't know, they mark the plates. Have you seen that? You know, the mark, the jellies? I think so. Oh, you told me about this. Yeah. So, like, the w- waitress calls out the order, and the cook, because they line the plates all the way down takes the jelly packet or the mustard packet or the ketchup, whatever, and where they place it on the plate is what the order is. Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's so like a, that's a grape jelly. A grape jelly at the bottom of a platter is scrambled eggs. Two eggs scrambled. Oh, my God. A jelly packet all the way at the top of the platter is sunny side up. Left is over easy. Middle is over medium. So jelly packets are always eggs. And then the meats are done by like condiments, like a ketchup or a mustard. T-bone steak, mustard. How funny. A waffle, buttercup. I've got it all. Who you tell me your order, I can tell stuff. you how to mark the plate. Who came what? up with all this stuff? A, a genius. <laughs> a true visionary. <laughs> <laughs> a forward-thinking mastermind. <laughs> um, do you think they saw like fights in the parking lot as part of their brand when they came up with the jelly packet egg code. <laughs> no. You know. Do I want my Waffle House to be clean without the potential of getting in a fight? Not no. Really. I think you go to the Waffle because you, you like to live a little dangerously. Yeah. Life on the edge. <laughs> you never know. Uh, all right. So Laren and Haley drove for like two weeks. They were popping up at various tourist areas, Denver, New Orleans, Mobile. Laren said that it was easier to disappear in a town based on tourism, which I can definitely see. Like they're used to like people popping up, coming and going all the time. A new face isn't going to like stand out in a place like that. But it all started to take a toll. And Laren started looking for a place where it felt okay to just like, settle down, finally. She and Haley were exhausted. They stayed in Biloxi, Mississippi for a little while until Laren attended a golf tournament, which don't ask me what she's doing at a golf tournament while they're running from the law for two weeks. But there she is, and there she meets a man that had a timeshare in Destin, Florida, at the Pelican Beach Resort. 
They got to talking. She gives him the sob story of her life. That's what she's doing there. She's trying to find a meal ticket. (laughs) That's exactly what she's doing there. You're right. And she finds one. It's a good place to look. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Because she finds it. And he offers up this condo in Destin to them. It was a beachfront luxury condo where she and Haley could stay free of charge. Destin is a beach town. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's famous for its white sands and its emerald green water. Like, you feel like you're in Cozumel when you're there. My mom just got back from there. (laughs) She she told Haley that this time they both needed to change their names. And Haley was really surprised. She'd never, like, her. she knew that her mom had changed her name and went by different names. Like, she had been Laren and then she was Elisa. But she'd never asked Haley to do that. Is Haley, like, understanding what's happening, though? Like, does she know why they're running, do we think? she does not know that they're running because her mom killed somebody. But she does know that they are running from the law. Yes. Haley chose the name Penelope. (gasps) That's fun. (laughs) I know. Laren would be going as Shane Ivoroni. Why? I have a feeling just because um, of Elizabeth Barash, Elisa Barash that she met in jail, that these are probably identities that she's stealing. Mm. Life doesn't happen biweekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 a day or $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck, and then access your money as you earn it instead of having to wait for it to hit your account. Any money you access, including any optional tips, are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. It is a much-needed alternative to predatory payday lenders for people that find themselves in a bind, like a bill due Wednesday when payday isn't until Friday. Or you're like me and you're just getting slammed with birthdays. Why are all my friends Tauruses? With Earn In, I don't have to worry about being late with a gift because I had to wait for payday. Download Earn In today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Creepers under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help the show. Creepers under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. She got a job as a server in an upscale restaurant and then at a law office again, all without a social security number or ID, which is just wild yeah. to me. I'd- if I got to take a math test to get my job back at the Waffle House, someone needs to fork over a driver's license to work in a law office. Yeah, exactly. She made new friends in Destin who all said she was like really sweet and well-spoken. They said she knew how to make people like her. And she wasn't there for very long. And she's already like established this whole life for herself with like friends and a job and all this stuff. So she really is like good at that. That is it. Yeah, I don't know how you do that. Like I'm still trying to make friends. I've lived here three years. (sighs) Yeah, she's already got like a whole... Thing. You True. also work from home, so that yeah, I know that's hard. But then the guy that was letting her use his condo found out that she'd been stealing his credit cards and ripping him off. And it's like, Lauren, you use the guy for the condo, you find other guys to steal their credit cards. Yeah, Lauren, mm-hmm. you can't be biting the hand that feeds because and be because in. he kicked her out of the condo, and I believe he also called the police on her. <laughs> 
Good. So he should. Right. So she sends Haley on a sleepover with a friend, and she goes out to find another guy to take advantage of. She makes a date with someone and ends up staying the night at his place. And at some point, I don't know if it was like in the middle of the night or if she just got up early in the morning, but she got up and stole his truck, leaving him the Jaguar. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she went and picked Haley up from the friend's house, telling her they'd found her again and they had to go. Oh so, gosh, Haley, like you, you need to dip at this point. Yeah, and she does soon. They drove north up the coast, finally landing in Charleston, South Carolina, where they would have to start over once again. But Haley had enough. She came to the conclusion that she would never get to have a real life, and she told her mom that she could not continue running. Laren pulled the car over and laid her head down and then finally said, okay, but I need to tell you everything. I think she knew here that it was over and that everything she'd done was going to come out and she didn't want Haley finding out some other way. Mm -hmm. So she told Haley everything. She told her that she and Sarah had killed Larry, and Haley was horrified, but it was over. They were done. They got up early the next morning and drove back to Destin. Laren dropped Haley off at a friend's and then left, and Haley was really worried about what her mom might do, if she might hurt herself. So she went to the police for help, and... Police put out a bolo for the vehicle that they were driving in, the truck. They soon found it parked in the parking lot of a Winn-Dixie across from the mm -hmm. beach. Investigators asked around, and they found a witness who said they'd seen Laren walking towards the beach. And so police go over there. They start combing the beach, walking up and down, looking for her, when a woman just walks up to them and says, Hi, I'm the one you're looking for. And it was Laren. Oh, shit? Yeah. They arrested her and brought her back to the police station, and it was clear that she was ready to reveal the truth about what had happened to her husband. She was very forthcoming and just immediately confessed. Yeah, why? I don't know why they killed him. Yeah, yeah. She was like, did I kill my husband? Yes, I killed my husband. She said that there was a lot of abuse in the relationship, that Larry had become increasingly violent and started hitting her more and more. She said she would wake up to him choking her, and she just felt backed into a corner. Larry's family, his kids, they all say there's no way he's an abuser. They said they're sure, they're sure he wasn't a perfect husband, but there's no way that he was violent. And I don't know how I feel. I think about this in a couple of different ways. I think it's a little ridiculous that Laren's saying she felt backed into a corner, considering how good she was at disappearing like her whole yeah. life, I think she could have easily left. And I don't say that lightly. I, I, I say that as someone very well informed about domestic violence and intimate partner violence and, right. and how dangerous it is to leave a relationship like that at that time. But right. she was off spending all of his money every day, hundreds of thousands of dollars, shopping sprees every day, buying herself a Jaguar. I mean, she it sounds like she was able to, like, go places and, like, leave. And there wasn't this, like, intimidation of where are you? What are you doing? Like, she – Right. It doesn't know. sound it like, like she was, was like, particularly afraid of him if she's stealing right. all his money. 
I think it's possible that Larry got abusive the more his alcohol dependency grew, but I don't think that's why she killed him. But I don't know. Laren said that night after the fight at the Olive Garden, she went down to the horse trainer's truck where his medicine bag was, and she got the horse tranquilizer out of it. And she went back up to the hotel room where Larry was passed out. She said it was Sarah's idea to put the tranquilizer in a bottle of Visine, and then Laren put a few drops into Larry's mouth. She said Sarah also put several drops in Larry's mouth. But Larry was a big guy. He was over six feet tall, 200 pounds. He didn't die. The next day, the horse show continued. And this is the day that everyone noticed he was really off his game. He seemed disoriented and sloppy. He could barely walk. He came Blanche. down, had his like, shirt unbuttoned, calling Sarah Blanche. Actually, he had been calling her Blanche that day, like before the fight at the Olive Garden. She says she didn't give him the horse tranquilizer until later. And I think this was the day that he did have a bottle of vodka at the golf game. <laughs> so maybe oh, yeah. it was that. I also just like to call people different <laughs> names. So, <laughs> But the next day, this is when he's like showing up to the horse show with like uh, when Debbie had to tell him to go get changed because Change. he, his shirt was untucked and like uh, buttoned wrong. I mean, it was right. just not Larry at all. And I think most people just chalked it up to him being drunk on this day, too, while he was actually being poisoned. This is the night that Larry skipped dinner. And at some point, Sarah came back. She had returned. Uh, I'm not sure if it was this night or early in the morning. But either way, Laren gives him more of the tranquilizer that night after he fell asleep. But he still doesn't die. He's totally incoherent, though. He can't really move. And Laren has no idea how they're going to get him out of the hotel in this state. They can't carry him, obviously. And he definitely can't walk. So that's why she runs over to a medical supply store to rent a wheelchair. Oh, my gosh. Remember, Ginger kept getting those calls from that angry woman at the medical supply company. That's what kind of tipped her off that something seemed weird. I also would never think, like, I don't know. I would have never thought of that. Going to a medical supply store and renting a wheelchair? Me either. Yeah. The next day was September 11th, 2001. And so while the whole world and everyone at their hotel was very distracted by the attacks, Laren and Sarah were getting Larry dressed, putting him in the wheelchair and wheeling him out of the hotel's front doors to the truck. They put him in the back seat of the truck and drove away. Can you imagine not only... Having September 11th happening, but then you're also committing a murder on that day. Okay, I, I'm i so glad you brought that up because I was thinking about that too. Because I'm like, like what? <laughs> I'm like, what? Because I started wondering, like, these big things that we all, like, experienced together. Like, like what, yeah. what about the people that were, like, committing horrific crimes <laughs> during that time? Like, their experience was a lot different than mine. Or even just, like, think about someone who's, like, in labor, giving birth to a baby. <sighs> and then the planes. Right. But it's like, are the doctors like, I, I mean, mm. I just wonder, like, I remember thinking it was so weird when I told you about watching like the real world, you know, because they didn't yes. have like TVs or yeah. phones and then like, I don't know. Just, yeah. Yeah. Okay, you're just going to commit a murder though while this, I don't know. That's weird. Well, it's like they're, they they just kind of lucked in. I hate to say that, but they like, they could see it as they lucked into this cover of 
Yeah. You know, nobody paying any attention to them because they're all like, gosh, I could tell you what I was doing that day. I couldn't tell you what anybody else was doing. Yeah. Not a dang person. I don't even remember who I like hung out with or talked to or anything, but I remember everything about, Mm -mm. yeah, what I did. Yeah. Yeah. They wouldn't have gone away with this if for so long. No, because people, because the thing is like, Police are going to Debbie and mm-hmm. Greg Whalen, you know, the horse trainer and his daughter. Right. And they can't even agree on, like, who was in the hotel room that morning when Debbie's asking Elisa about, hey, where's Larry? And she's like, he's in a cult in Florida now. Like, they can't yeah. even agree who was in the hotel room when that's happening. So they're not, like, recalling all the details that could have helped them figure out what had happened to Larry. And although that was suspicious, that would have been my first thing is like, oh, he just left in the middle of the night to go join this cult he hasn't talked about. Yeah, I kind of, yeah. But I think that because Larry had like done that before and he was always like kind of disappearing, this wasn't a stable guy. This wasn't like a guy that showed up all the time and like was always there. This was somebody that was kind of known to leave for a little bit and come back. And he just kept not coming back. And so then people are like, well, you know, Elisa's saying he's in rehab and he had gone to rehab before. assuming that the answer is, oh, he's murdered. Because I, yeah, I, (sighs) yes. Because I think hindsight is always 2020. Right. And I think about in my real life, I think about these red flags and I'm like, we think they're so obvious, these these red flags and I'm like would I because I'm like Ginger what are you thinking it's been two months you've never seen Larry but it's like you're new to this job you don't really know how anything works you don't know what's normal and what's not normal Mm -hmm. so how long would it take you to be like all right this this is off something's wrong I gotta go to the police you know yeah yeah a sad part of that too is that Debbie saw Laren and Sarah packing up the truck this morning when while Larry was in the back seat. And she'd had like a short conversation with them. Um, that's when she'd seen the truck that they're packing up and, and was like, I guess Larry didn't drive to Florida, so I don't know how he got there. And she'd yeah. kind of tried to look in the back seat, but the windows were tinted so dark that she couldn't see anything. And, yeah. you know, and then they they left and she just didn't. Didn't know what was going on. Because at this point, Larry was still alive in the backseat. Oh, yeah. His body was completely paralyzed, but his mind was still sharp. He knew I don't know how they got him from the wheelchair into the backseat of a truck. With nobody noticing them lifting this big man. I know. Yeah, it's not like you're into a car. I mean, into a truck. That's And they're also not doing it in the middle higher. of the night. Like, this is in the morning. This, I mean, it's early in the morning, but it's not like 4 o'clock early. Right. It's like 8 o'clock early, you know? Yeah, but humans get very weird if, I mean, you're not, like, if you see someone in a wheelchair or with a disability. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot mm-hmm. of humans don't make eye contact. They look the other way. They're mm. not like, oh, don't. Oh, my God, you're so right. Don't make a scene like you're trying to help this old person or this person that they would just needs assistance. They would just look away. Oh. Yeah. I'll bet like, that's exactly. You know, I'm not like, and they see the wheelchair and they yeah. think they're helping. They're like, oh. Yeah. I'll bet you I'll bet you're exactly right. <sighs> yep. 
Larry's body at this point was completely paralyzed, but they said that his mind was still sharp. They being doctors that said how this tranquilizer would have affected him, that he he probably knew what was happening every moment. At one point, he regained some of his strength and like tried to get into the front seat, but he wasn't able to manage it. And so they gave him more of the horse tranquilizer. It, to me, it seems like they were kind of a little gun shy about about going all the way with the murder. They're just like giving him a few mm-hmm. drops, this horse tranquilizer at the time. They're like, please do it this time, you know? Yeah. Sarah and Laren drove to Yosemite, where Sarah had spent her summers growing up. By the time they got there, Larry is nearly comatose. Laren and Sarah jump out and start digging to bury Larry up there. But he's still alive. And Laren couldn't bury him alive. You know, murder is one thing. But burying someone alive apparently is just crossing the line. So they drove Larry back to Sacramento to Laren's house. What? Yeah. (laughs) According to the 2020 episode, they decided that what needed to happen next was Larry needed a bath. So they got him upstairs, they undressed him, and they gave him a bath. And then they fell asleep. This is bizarre to me because... (laughs) I agree. They're now carrying him upstairs. Yeah. Putting him in a bathtub. Yeah. Undressing him, putting him in a bathtub. Yeah. And then they all fell asleep. And then they're sleeping, like, in a separate room. I would hope I don't know. I think that's – I would be so terrified to, like – I wouldn't be able to sleep. Are you kidding? Yeah. Like, what if he woke up and then, like, killed you because you tried to kill him? Yeah. Also, just how are you sleeping after all that? I'm over here sweating because I am talking about buying a stamp from the post office, you know, on Amazon. And they're over here – your Sleepy sweet little the- constitution <laughs> couldn't handle any of this. You would have turned yourself into the police a long time ago. <laughs> oh, God. They fell asleep and, or you know, this is Laren's story This yeah. that she is saying. So, this- But now she's confessing. It's like, why lie, you know? Right. Well, and Laren said when they woke up that Larry was dead. However, there was some evidence from the forensic pathologist that he might have still been alive for this next part. So now they needed to decide what to do with the body. So they decided to fridge him up. They wrapped Larry in a sheet and then wrapped the sheet with duct tape. And then they cleared out a refrigerator in the garage that they used as a wine fridge. But it was like a full-size fridge. And no, they, not the wine fridge. <laughs> yeah, and they put him in there. He was in there for three months. Oh, God. During her interview with the police, Laren said, it seemed like a good idea at the time, you guys. No. Seemed like a good idea at the time, you guys. What part of it? <laughs> I guess the part where they're keeping him in the fridge until they figure out what to do with him. I guess. So Larry is dead in the fridge. And then meanwhile, Laren and Sarah are draining the law firm dry. Remember, this is when they're telling everyone he's at a spa in rehab. They kept up the pretense that he was still alive when he's in a refrigerator. They're going on shopping sprees. They're moving money around into different accounts. They're forging his signature and all these documents. Sarah said she came by the house at one point and the fridge had come open So she, like, duct taped the fridge shut, 
they're having house parties and dinner parties there. This guy in 2020, he's like, how does nobody notice a duct tape fridge in the garage? Yeah. (laughs) They kept it up until they just couldn't keep it up anymore. When they discovered that Larry had been reported missing to the authorities, they put him in the trunk of the Jaguar and drove to Vegas. They figured that Larry loved Vegas so they could honor him there. That's what they said. What? <laughs> I, I hate them. What's what's the plan if you get in a fender bender, you know? Like, I don't. Oh, yeah, because listen to this. They drove to the Bellagio to get a room. But when they pulled up to the parking garage to check the car, the parking attendant asked him to pop the trunk. And Sarah was driving. And it's like she forgot that there was a body in the trunk. And she popped the trunk. Laren jumped out of the car, slammed the trunk down, and told the parking lot lady that actually they were looking for the Mirage. Can you give us directions to the Mirage? So the lady told him to do a U-turn, and they got out of there. Oh, my gosh. My eyes are (laughs) popping out of my brain. My face. My brain. I I mean my face. I hate laughing at this. This, I'm not laughing that they are – they're just so ridiculous. This whole thing is so ridiculous. Like – Yeah. Ugh. Okay. That night, Laren went out by herself into the desert outside Vegas to bury Larry. But the desert ground is very, very hard, and she couldn't dig a hole. Eventually, Laren got Larry to the vineyard herself and buried him there. She said she buried him alone that night, but she definitely implicated Sarah Dutra in this entire scheme. She said Sarah helped her every step of the way, from killing him to hiding the body. But Sarah had been telling police this whole time that she had no idea about any of it. Right. So police bring Sarah in again with all this new information from Laren. And this time, Sarah lets it all out. I want them in the same room at the same time, duking it out. (laughs) This time, she admits to everything. Kind of. She said she didn't want to do any of it. She said that she was under Elisa's spell, that she was afraid of Elisa, and she did things against her will because of her fear of Elisa. Sarah said that she didn't think Elisa was serious about killing Larry and that she had no part in putting the horse tranquilizers in his mouth. But you're, like, still riding shotgun along the way. You're driving the car. I mean, that's when you get out of the car. You're helping put the body in the refrigerator. Yeah. You're driving it out to Vegas with him in the trunk. You're spending his money while he's in the refrigerator. You're forging yeah, you know, his signature. Yeah, you never turned anyone in. You're spending the money. Like, right. You know now that he's in the fridge. And then you maintain your- a relationship with Elisa that whole time yeah. after. Mm-hmm. And detectives are not buying her story as much as we are not buying her story. And they arrest her on murder charges. Love to see it. Sarah. They arrest Sarah on murder charges. Laren is transferred to county jail in her hometown for extradition to California to face murder charges. But the extradition never happens because on Easter Sunday, Laren Sims hanged herself from her bed sheets in her cell. Haley, her daughter, said that her whole world ended with her. Her whole life had always revolved around protecting this person, and she couldn't protect her anymore. And she also felt guilty because she had 
been the one to turn her in in Florida. She was worried that her mom was going to hurt herself and she'd called the police and told her where to find her, basically. She didn't know what to do with herself after her mom completed suicide. I know. But Laren left behind a beautiful letter for Haley. This is like the greatest thing Laren ever did in her whole life was leave this letter for Haley. She acknowledged everything she'd done wrong and said that she just wanted her daughter to have a good life. And she said now that she was out of Haley's life, maybe she could now make it good. She also said something about how she wanted them to get lawyers to sue the jail for allowing her to have the opportunity to hang herself. Uh, because she, I think she had been on a suicide watch and they were supposed to be watching her, but they didn't. And she said, give the, give the money from the lawsuit to my kids. And like, that's what I can leave them with. Mm-hmm. Haley went back to the town she was born and raised in, but she hadn't seen her family there in over a decade. You know, she had grandparents and stuff there, but she hadn't seen them yeah. since she was little. She said she needed to learn a different way to live. She had never thought that she'd be able to get married, go to college, anything like that. But she's now gotten her master's degree in nursing, and she's been working as a critical care nurse. And she is now applying to law school, and she wants to open a center for abused women. Haley, yes. I know. Sarah Dutra was arrested on March 19th, 2002. During her arraignment, she was crying, and her attorney called her just a helpless little thing. I don't know that I would use those adjectives. I didn't think so. On January 6th, 2003, her trial began. If Laren was to be believed, Sarah Dutra was a full and willing participant in this whole thing. But Sarah's defense was that she was terrified of of Laren. Her defense lawyer said it was a classic instance of evil wrapping around a sweet young baby. No. Yeah. No, not in this court. No, and Ginger Miller was the key witness for the prosecution because she had witnessed so much suspicious activity. Ginger testified to all the shopping sprees, the vacations. She she said that she saw Sarah practice forging Larry's signature. Uh, But isn't Ginger scared? Like, I guess that's why you've got to go. You've got to make sure she gets locked up. I don't think she's scared of Sarah. I I think maybe she might have been a little hesitant about Elisa, but I don't – or Laren, but I don't think she's scared of Sarah. All of the evidence supported the fact that Sarah and Laren were best friends and co-conspirators. But I guess, you know, it it could be a situation where Laren was, like, grooming Sarah that whole time. She's showing her this new, you know, luxurious world and, like, then gets her wrapped up in this – I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Sarah, to be honest. I I don't know. I kind of go back and forth. I mean, I think Elisa was up to something, whether or not Sarah were to ever come in the picture, because she had this habit of, like, conning men, essentially. Yeah. Like, like she didn't need but, Sarah. Yeah. But then I go back to, like, why did they need to kill Larry? Like, why do that in the first place? I don't get that Yeah, either. I don't know the motive, but you've got to be responsible I know it can be really hard, but you've got to be able to, like, I don't know. At, at a certain point, you have some free will in this scenario to get away from Laren. Yeah, she could have come forward earlier. 
But I mean, at a certain point, you're like trying to save yourself too, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, yeah. you've got wrapped up in this thing and I don't know, maybe I've been watching too much TV. She was wrong. It, she, it, she shouldn't have done it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, you're right though. Like yeah. you, you, you think about what you would do in the situation, but it's hard because like, I would never be like, the second someone's like, I'm going to put a horse tranquilizer in this. I'm like, no, I'm out. <laughs> Like well, and Laren said that that was Sarah's idea, but obviously she has reasons to lie, and and her reasons right. lie because she's confessing to everything. She knows she's going to go to jail. She knows she's going to spend her life in jail. But maybe she doesn't want Haley to know that she was the one that was like, "Let's put it in the visine." Let you know, maybe yeah. she's still trying to save a little bit of her image. So she's like, "It was Sarah's idea with the visine," which I don't know why they needed to put it in a visine bottle. Because at first, when they said that, I thought they were going to put it in his eyes. You know, yeah, what would that have done? Well, I was like, is that going to get into his system through his <laughs> eyes? Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's like the Dumb and Dumber, the little. <laughs> that is the second Dumb and Dumber reference that you've made on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, I mean, you've only seen like 10 movies. You got to <laughs> get it while you can. And Sarah did manage to find one friendly juror. There was one holdout that saved her from getting first-degree murder and spending the rest of her life in prison. Instead, the jury found her guilty of voluntary manslaughter, which is an accessory to murder, and she was sentenced to 11 years in prison. She served eight years. Yep. She was paroled in 2011. Hmm. And living her life now. I have no I have no basis for this, but I do think Elisa is someone who would offend again, maybe not like murder, but I think Sarah's like scared straight and and may try and go out and like live a normal life now. But I don't really yeah. have any to base that on, I guess. I I know. I agree. I I feel like Sarah was not the danger to society without Elisa. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I realized this, that this episode of 2020 that I used, Helen Heels, um, it very recently came out, much more recently than I thought. I honestly thought it was an old episode I was looking up. But Haley is in it. Like, that's how we have all of the details of, like, her life with her mom. She Mm -hmm. is kind of the narrator of, of the majority of the episode and is telling the story. So I highly recommend that episode. It's where most of the information from... These episodes came from was from from there and some from a book called Cold Blooded. I did not read it. I kind of skimmed it for details and specific parts, but I didn't read the whole thing. But if you're interested in this case, that is uh, a great resource to use. I did try to find more information on how she was able to get those jobs without a social security number. <laughs> That's <laughs> really tripping you up. I, I couldn't find anything in the book. In my uh, Luckily, it was an ebook, so I could control find my way through that. You know, and, <laughs> you're uh, like... I-9, license, (laughs) W-2. Like, social security number. But uh, that was um, a good source. So, yeah, that is – that's the story. Wow. The murder of Larry McNabney. Wow. I was disappointed in a lot of people in that. Yeah, a lot of people making making the wrong choice consistently over and over. I think there is this like common relationship with really like narcissists, master manipulators, sociopaths, where you have this very strong personality 
that takes the weaker personality like under their wing and is able to manipulate them into doing like really horrible things. We see it over and over again. Yeah. And I do kind of wonder how much that was at play here with Sarah. I really don't think that Sarah would have ever been involved in something like this if she hadn't ever met Laren Sims. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, you want to think that people would have like the know-how to navigate that situation, but humans are also different and all have different like Well, and she was 20 years old. Right. You know, I mean, she's yeah, very like, young. You don't know anything when you're 20 years old. You're still yeah, a I was kid. making poor relationship friendship choices at 20 years same, old. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Very much same. Like you just don't Are you talking about me? No, me. I said same. I know, but I meant like, are you talking about us? (laughs) No, you were my one good choice. (laughs) Not just kidding. But yeah, like, I just wonder, I don't know that these things won't ever not happen. No, not when you're Every villain has a sidekick, you know? Every villain has a sidekick on a slightly smaller plate. It's actually every hero needs a sidekick on uh, It's Book of Mormon. (laughs) Every hero. Is that from a movie? It's from Book of Mormon. Oh. <laughs> I mean, every Disney movie, you know? The villain has like a little animal. Right. She's Iago. <laughs> Iago. No more crackers. Yeah. I don't know. I, but because I, I also think of like the effect that she had on Larry. Like he'd always had problems with substance abuse and stuff, but he w- had been like good for so long. Mm-hmm. And then – Two months after he meets Elisa, he's throwing all of that away and just going downhill so fast after he meets her. Like, I. She obviously had a way of, I mean, she's getting condos, she's getting convertibles. Like, I know, I just, I don't understand that, I guess. I just don't, I don't understand how a person, because I could never, like, I. I could yeah. never, like, literally, not that I wouldn't, I couldn't, you know, I also wouldn't, but could not do it. And I I, I just don't understand how people can. I don't know. So I think it's like some people, it, you're just like born with hustle and you can't stop. You can't turn it off. You can't stop the motion of the ocean. Or the, now I'm just singing musicals. All right. <laughs> and... <laughs> Scene. And scene. Uh, do we have any shout outs tonight? We do, but will you sing them all? Uh, it's very possible. <laughs> I'm at that point. I'm at that stage of the year where I'm just like singing every direction I give the kids. We're breaking out into song in the middle of the hallway. Like we are ready <laughs> for summer. Yeah, I'm ready for summer. <laughs> I haven't been in summer a long time. Hey, if you want your shout out, go sign up. Kristen reposted it. If you are a patron, go to our Patreon, fill it out so we can shout you out. Yeah. And if you would like a shout out and you are not a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash truecrimecreepers. Sign up for any level. A shout out comes with every single level uh, from $5 to $7 or the $10 level, whichever suits your fancy. Sign up over there and then we will be happy to shout you out. So who's up Shout first? Shout out time. First up is Meg in. Meg in. Megan. Thank you so much, Megan. Next up. Next up, we got Tracy. 
Tracy with no E. Thank you, like Tracy with no E, which leads us right to our next one of Tanya with an O. Tanya. Tanya with an O. Tanya. Yeah. I Tanya. Tanya. With an O. Maybe it's Tanya. Tanya with an O. Tanya. Uh, Tanya. <laughs> I worked with the Tanya at the Waffle. And we would do that. Tanya. Tanya. Like Stacy. Talk to me. Talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> Love when you do that. And last but not least, Michelle Jellison. Jell Ison. Okay, but Jellison. Michelle Jellison. Okay, but when I wrote Michelle's card mm-hmm. to send in the mail, mm-hmm. I accidentally wrote Michelle Jellystone. No. But then I redid it. I caught it. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? Michelle, would you have loved it if you got Jellystone in the mail? I love that. Jellystone. What a fun word. Jellystone. Not like quench. Not like quench. I hope these shout outs quenched your thirst for. (laughs) Oh, look at you using your bad word in a, your terrible word in a. I hated it. (laughs) Um, I. I'm so excited about all of our new patrons that have signed up for their shout outs. If you didn't hear yours uh, on this episode, keep an ear out for it on a later episode. It'll yeah, come put around. a bolo out. We'll put a bolo out. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Thank you so much for sticking around for part two. This really helped me out. You know, May is a very busy month. <laughs> It's very. I feel like I should explain to the people Do you what our like, life is like right now. Our life, my. Okay, so last week I had work stuff all night on Tuesday. My birthday on Wednesday. Thursday I was in bed by seven thirty, and now it's Friday. <laughs> we are finally recording this episode. <laughs> so wild and Friday night for us. Way to put us on blast. <laughs> I know, and it's way past my bedtime already, so... I'm exhausted. Okay, it's midnight over here, basically. Thanks for hanging in for this two-part episode. We needed it. (laughs) We needed to split this one up. (laughs) We needed it. I hope you liked it. Thank you so much for listening. If you don't like it, we hope you like us, at least. We hope you like us, and if you don't, we will take your criticism via our email at (laughs) creeperspod at gmail.com. (laughs) <laughs> uh, or you we can take find praise us. publicly criticism privately correct that's the way to do it <laughs> we're not the man all right <laughs> what you're trying to say i think you're delirious it's good night everybody no Bye, wait our socials um and instagram at creepers pod facebook join our discussion group at true crime creepers discussion group and oh God, sometimes mogab is on the twitter I'll bring it back. At Creeper's Pod. And stay tuned for next week's episode when I'll tell Mogab another wild story. Bye, peeps and creeps. Bye.